0: All right, good morning, good to see everybody today. Um, as we continue our series in James. Um, If you have a smartphone, you can pull that out. And if you happen to have the Uversion app, or sometimes people refer to it as uh, the Bible app, you can actually go to the tab section and click on live. And if you just search the well Austin uh, notes for today will show up, all the scriptures that we're using uh, for today will show up. Uh, We'll spend the majority of our time in James chapter three. Um, So if you wanna turn in your Bible, you can do that. Also, you can type in this link into your uh, browser. Like if you don't have have that app and you still want to follow along on your phone, um, you can just type that link into your browser and it will also take you there and you can follow along um, with the sermon today. I was like, what is that word called, sermon? I couldn't, I was like, am I having a stroke? I can't think what that word is. Um, so do this, do this. Um, between 60 and 80% of the people um, in the world can do something that I can't do. How many of you can actually like, curl, you know what I'm saying when I say curl your tongue, like you can like do it up on the, like the sides, you know what Try it. uh, Nobody's taking a picture, just try it. Who can, how how many of you can do that? And you know what I'm talking about. So that's pretty accurate. How many of you can't do it? Okay. And how many of you just could care less that I'm even talking about this? Okay. Three peoples. Okay. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for being honest. That's good. Um, How about this? I've only met in my entire life one person who can actually do this. And I'm curious if anybody's willing to even try it. Most of you are too cool. You're not going to try it. You're like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm hipster. I'm cool. I can't do this in church. So, but I'm just curious. How many of you can actually tuck, touch your tongue to your elbow? It's almost physically impossible to do that. I know I've met one person who can do it. And I currently see maybe one person in the room who's getting really close. Um, <laughs> and then I see a bunch of people who aren't even trying. Like, it's like, re- like you've got to be, like, super flexible. It's like you can't really, you can't do it. It's like, I think really only about 10 people tried, which is a little frustrating because it's like, you think you're too cool to try to touch your tongue to your elbow. But but I guarantee you what's going to happen is when you get in your car, you're going to try it. Like, you don't want to try it in here, but when you get in your car, every single one of you will be like, I think I can do that. and I can't. It doesn't work. Like, you either have to have a super long tongue or you got to be like super flexible or you got to have like dinosaur arms or something. I don't know because it's hard. It's hard to do. Did you know that the average person, average, the average person speaks somewhere in the vicinity, just average 16,000 words per day. Okay. 16,000 words per day. Now I know some of you in the room and there's some of you that speak significantly less than that. And there's some of you that I know, and you speak significantly more than 16,000 words a day. Uh, But on average, 16,000 words per day. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the words that come out of our mouth. How we use our tongue and how we deal with that. And that's what we're going to talk about. And it's rather challenging. And for the most part, we're not very prepared or equipped to deal with this. Um, And I don't remember, if you remember when you were a kid in school and and you heard this little saying, like I'm just going to say the first part of it and you know what the end of it is. Sticks and stones but words can never hurt me. Now, if you're at all like me, you know that that's the biggest lie that anybody ever told you. Because it's not true, is it? And I would guess that every single person in the room has had somebody say something to you and it really hurt. Sometimes they said it and they didn't mean it and it still hurt. And maybe sometimes they actually meant it, and it still hurt. And so that saying isn't even true. Now, here's the other thing that I know: as we look at this particular scripture today, we're we're going to be tempted. And I, I just want to I want to. I'm in this category with you. We're gonna be tempted to be thinking about all the times and all the people who have said something to offend us, who said something to hurt us. Like, that's what we're gonna be thinking about. And I wanna warn you for just a moment that that's actually not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is what you say, not what somebody says to you. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't hurt when somebody says something to you, or I'm not saying that they should say something to you. I'm saying we, you can't control what they say, but we're going to talk about what does it look like for us to be aware of the things that come out of our mouth. Because you know when somebody says something to you and it really wounded you, none of, none of us would want that to happen to somebody else. And so as we look at this particular piece of scripture, it's, it's super challenging and we've We've already looked at some of it. So in James chapter 1, it tells us in the very beginning, James starts talking to us about this in verse 19. And he says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. But most of us, we kind of flip that around. That's not how we live our life. We're always quick to offer advice, quick to say something, quick to speak up, uh, and we don't listen very well. And so it's kind of a little bit opposite of that. And I want to tell you as we start diving into James chapter 3, if you look at everything in James, that James talks about, for me personally, this is the most difficult one for me to um, apply to my life. It's, it's, the, it's the one thing, not the one thing, it's one of the things that I struggle with the most. And so as we look at it, it'll be interesting. Look what also it says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, death and life, what, what two things does it say? Okay, good. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Like that's, a, that's like on one hand scary, but on the other hand really like encouraging and, and exciting, right? Like you have the power of death and life by the things that you say. Like, that, like on one hand it scares the crap out of me that I could say something that causes death, but on the other hand, it's also a little bit exciting that I can actually say something that brings life. Like, that's encouraging. So let's jump into it. James chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. This is what it says. This is not, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. So it starts off, James starts off in chapter 3 saying, not many people should aspire or have the desire to become a teacher. Now, here's our temptation. Now, and then it goes on to say, for you know that he who teaches will be judged with greater strictness. So some of you are tempted to think, and you would be correct if you say, whew, I sure am glad that I'm not Bob or I'm not Tory or I'm not somebody, I'm not a pastor because I don't want to be judged any more strictly than I have to be. Like, and some of you are like, ooh, that's good. And I think that it's true, as James is telling us this, like, that you have to be mindful that you would never want to teach someone or say something that would lead someone astray. You don't want to say something that's not true, that's, that goes against scripture, that goes against who God is. So there is some, there's some extra Accountability, some extra weight. There's some heaviness that goes along with that. But what we're tempted to do is when we read those first couple of verses in James chapter three, we're like, whew, I'm glad he's talking to somebody else and he's not talking to me. I want you to just, could it be, I just want you to think about this. Could it be that James is actually not only talking to pastors, but he's talking to a lot of other people as well? Maybe you're a school teacher. So in your classroom, the things that you say are really important. Maybe you're a counselor, or, or maybe you're a manager at your job, and you're leading people, and you're saying things. Or maybe you're putting on a conference, and you're saying things. Or how about this? Maybe you're a mom or a dad, and you're attempting to teach your kids. Like, I think that there's a lot of things that it refers to about teaching more than just a pastor. What about this? How many of you have ever, and don't don't raise your hand, just just think about this, because I know the answer to it. How many of you have ever actually tried to give some advice on Facebook? Like, if we are to believe what Scripture says, and I think we should, it says, not many of you should give advice on Facebook, my brothers. For you know that those who give advice will be judged with greater strictness. It's just me thinking. This is just Bob. This is just my commentary. I just want us to be careful. I'm not saying that you shouldn't give advice. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a teacher. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a mom. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a dad. I'm not saying you shouldn't be a manager. I'm just saying when you become those things, when you do those things, just be aware that there's life and death that can come out of your mouth. You see what I'm saying? And so on one hand, as I talk about it, it scares the crap out of me. But on the other hand, it also helps me to be excited because I know I can either give life or I can give death, and I don't know about you, but if I can give one of those two, want going gonna choose to give life. And, and also, I don't, also don't want you to get confused that the, because there are times when we have to say, I'm not saying don't say hard things because some of you would be like, because I may come to you someday and say, I'm going to use somebody as an example. Just I'm going to say, Chris. I'm going to say, Chris, what you're doing is inappropriate and we need to talk about it because of the way, I just want you to be aware of that how this is going. I'm not saying that you can't say bad things and I'm not talking about anything specific in Chris's life because he's like, But I'm just saying, there's nothing wrong with saying hard things between friends, between brothers. It's not saying that you can't ever say difficult things. What I'm saying is there's a huge difference between a coach and a heckler. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what a heckler is, right? Like, it's typically known for baseball, but it's in all sports. A heckler is the person who just says whatever they can say to get into your head to make you not perform to your best. Like we don't need hecklers in our life, but we do need coaches, right? We don't need the people who constantly just all they want to do is make us mess up. All they want to do is point out all the bad stuff. All they want to do is make us stumble and fall. We don't need those people, but we do need coaches. We need somebody to pull us aside, not in front of the whole team, but pull us aside and say, hey, if you thought about this, when I see this happening, maybe this is causing this. Let's talk about this. How can I help you? Is different, right? When somebody says, how can I help you? How can I help you overcome this? How can I help you steer away from this? How can I help you grow? It's way different to be a coach than it is to be a heckler. And so we need those people in our life to point those things out. Because, right, we all have those blind spots, right? We have those things in our life that maybe we're not aware of, and we need somebody to say, hey, how can we solve this? What can we do to do this? You're causing harm here. That's a good thing, heckler, not so good. So verse three, it says, if we put bits, so James goes on to give us three examples, I suspect he does it because he realizes that sometimes we're slow learners. So he gives us three specific examples about how to deal with the tongue because we're slow learners and he just wants us to be aware of what he's talking about. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Now, unless you're like me and grew up on a farm, there's a few people in the room who know this, but most of you are unaware of this, so I'm going to Coach us through this a little bit. So, I brought us some some pictures. I actually didn't bring a horse, but I brought us some pictures. Um, So, see this right here? This metal piece right here. Okay, that's the bit. That piece right there, and I'll show you the rest of this piece. So, it goes uh, up over the horse's head, or part of it goes around its ears. The metal piece goes in its mouth, okay, and then it's hooked to the reins that go back up to. The cowboy. <laughs> um, and so, so that, when it says bit, that's the piece that goes into its mouth. Now show the other picture so we can kind of get a better grasp, okay? So this right here, it's got the metal piece, and it's running through the other side to the other side of the horse's mouth, okay? And then it's hooked to the reins that go up to the cowboy. And, um, and the cowboy now can make the horse go where it wants to go. How many of you have ever actually, just, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, I'm just curious. How many of you have actually ridden a horse before? Oh, wow. Oh, I forget. We're in Texas. Um, that was way, so I, why didn't somebody stop me? I'm coaching you on something that everybody knows about. That was kind of, we just wasted our time there. Um, So let's just move on to the next example. What it's saying though is like you can control a 1,200 pound horse with the bit in its mouth and you can teach it to go where it needs to go because you can use the bit, the reins and you can show it where to go. Okay, so that's what it's talking about. Uh, Somebody should have stopped me. Um, so then it goes on to say in verse four, look at the ships also, though they are large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue, is a small member, yet it boasts great things. So, I mean, I don't know if you're ever, if you've ever been into sailing or if you've even just watched the news. I don't. know, It was a couple of years ago, the dude who crashed the that. Uh, Cruise ship full of people into a rock because he wanted to drive close to the shore so he could wave at somebody. I think was the story. I don't know. It's probably not true because I read it on the internet. So that's probably not true. Um, but the little bitty thing at the bottom of the ship made this gigantic ship go where the dude wanted it to go. And James is saying, Your tongue, your mouth is just like that. It can lead you to great places or it can destroy your life. Then it goes on to give us another example in verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member. Oh, I repeated that. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A whole world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body Setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. It says, if you're not careful, your your tongue, your mouth can become like a fire. Uh, 1871, the Great Chicago Fire. No, I wasn't alive then. I'm just using it as an example. <laughs> I, I, somebody was about to come up with that, and so I was. Over 17,000 structures burned in that fire. 17,000. Over 300 people died. They don't know for sure exactly how it started, but there's like a, I mean, they didn't have the internet then, but the, but the rumor that spread around that how the fire got started, they actually even have a name of a, of a cow and a lady, and the cow kicked over a lantern, and that's how the, the great Chicago fire in 1871 started. They don't know that for sure, um, but that's what they think. Like a little lantern, cow kicks it, falls over, burns down 17,000 structures. It's pretty incredible. And what James is telling us is if we're not careful, our tongue can destroy 17,000 structures just by the things that we speak. Like that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And the other thing that we wanna learn that I think that James wants to teach us here is that words can, can reveal, don't miss this. Like if you only hear one thing today, maybe this is what you need to hear. Words can reveal the progress of our faith. Words can reveal the progress of our faith. Once again, I just want to quickly read it to you. I don't, it's not going to show up on the screen necessarily, but listen to this, verse 2, just so we're all aware of this. For we all stumble. Who stumbles? All. For we all stumble in how many ways? In many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. And we all know that we're not perfect. And we all know that we stumble in many ways. But what can we learn? I think, I think this, the, the, the challenge of the tongue is a universal one. Like at different stages of your life, there are going to be different things that you struggle with. In different stages of your life, there's going to be specific sins that you're like, I got to figure out how to deal this, how to deal with this, how to navigate this. But the struggle with the tongue never leaves. And you know how I know? for two reasons, one, experience, but also two, because I have know way too many bitter, grumpy old people. The tongue is always a challenge, no matter how old you get. And it reveals the progress of our faith. Jesus actually talked specifically about this, Luke chapter six, verse 45. This is what Jesus tells us. The good person... Out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the, and don't miss this, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What Jesus is telling us is, whatever it is that's on the inside of you eventually comes out. Like you might be able to control it for a little bit or you might not let everybody know what, how you really are. But at some point it's going to come out. Everything comes out of the abundance of your heart, which is good and bad. Like the bad is we have a tendency to really cause death at times. But the good is it leads us to not have to question or doubt what's going on in our heart, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Like if you find yourself always angry and yelling at someone, you know why? Because you have anger in your heart. If you find yourself complaining and whining about something, you know why? Because you have complaining in your heart. So it helps us kind of see what's going on inside of us, our mouth does, if we're willing to pay attention and listen to what we're saying. So then he goes on to say this in James chapter 3, verse 7 some of it's actually, in my opinion, kind of funny. I, I, I don't know whether he intended it to be funny. I read it as funny. Um, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be, tame, can be tamed and has been tamed by, by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. You know what James is saying here? This is just me reading into it. This, you know what James is saying here? You can teach a dumb dog tricks, but you can't control what comes out of your mouth. I mean, that's what he's saying. You can teach animals tricks, yet you can't control your mouth. Apparently, I was the only one that thought that was funny. Like, nobody's like, you're literally like, I really, seriously, he's making fun of us. You can train an animal, but you can't control your tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. How do you you like that? It's full of poison. Your tongue is full of poison. And then it says, with it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And if we're not careful, what happens is, We come to church and we're like, God is good, God is great. And we get in the car on the way home and we're already yelling at our spouse and we're already yelling at our kids and we're already yelling at the person who served us a meal because it didn't come out exactly the way that we thought it should. We have poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father and with it, curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And he, just so we're clear on this, he's not talking about saying a bad word, okay? That's, that's not what he's referring to there. He's talking about the words you actually say. He's not talking about a cuss word, just so we're clear. My brothers, these things ought not to be. And then he goes on to tell us, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? He's like, you can have a well, but only one kind of water can come out. You can't, like, switch it. It can't be Coke one day and Sprite the next. It's one. What's your heart? What's the condition of your heart? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? He's like, can you pick apples from an orange tree? doesn't work that way. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. For the most part, the rest of the things that I'm going to say, I'm going to be more preaching to myself than I am to you. But if you happen to identify with where I'm coming from, okay, then I'm preaching to you too. But we read this, and intellectually, I get it. Like I read it, and it sounds really good. But why is it then that I still strike out at people? You know what I'm saying? Like I read it and I'm like, I know I shouldn't do this, but I still do it. Why is it that at times in my life I get jealous? Why is it in my life that I can't seem to sometimes celebrate with other people when something good happens to them? Why do I sometimes live my life in such a way where I seem to steal other people's joy because I just don't want them to be happy unless I can be happy. I never, sometime, sometimes it's, I find it difficult to give other people compliments because I feel like if I'm complimenting them, then it's taking away something from me. How stupid is that? So why do we seem to read about what James says and yet still have anger and bitterness in our heart. And if we have anger and bitterness in our heart, you know what happens? We end up verbally vomiting on people because we have bitterness and anger. And, and the real root of the problem there is we're not really clear on what our identity is. And the reason that we have a hard time complimenting other people, the reason that we have a hard time enc- encouraging other people and enjoying when things go well for them is because we think that we've always got to walk around saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And we think that it's about me. And when we think that it's about me, We don't have a clear understanding of what God intends for our identity to be. Because if we had a clear understanding of our identity, it wouldn't be, look at me, look at me, look at me. It would be, that's really great that you got a new job. How can I encourage you? I'm really excited that you got engaged. How can I encourage you? I'm really excited that you got a new car. How can I encourage you? I'm really excited that in this job that you're working really hard. And I'm sorry that sometimes I seem to complain about mine. We struggle with complimenting, encouraging, not being bitter, not being angry towards other people because we think that if we do that, that puts them ahead of us. And and we don't like to admit this. And most of us wouldn't admit it. But the reality is we think the world revolves around us and that's why we say the things that we say. And the reality is this is not what Jesus wants at all from us. I want you to to clearly understand that what drives our heart and what drives our mouth is our identity. What drives your heart and what drives your mouth is your identity. And if your identity is about you, you're going to make sure that you're always ahead of everybody else, that you're more important than everybody else, that you're above everybody else. But when we get our identity in Jesus it changes perspective a little bit. Because when my when my identity is in Jesus I begin to understand that it's not about me that it's about him. I'm his. I'm accepted. I'm loved. I get grace. I get mercy. And it changes when we begin to understand that it changes, like he's for me, not against me. When you begin to understand that Jesus is for you, not against you, then it doesn't matter whether somebody else wins or not because you know that Jesus is for you. And when Jesus is for you, here's the, here's the key. And if we miss this, then we miss the whole point of the sermon. The key is when we simply just try harder, We fail. Like, how many of you have ever said, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever said, I'm not going to cuss this week at all? I, I'm just, I'm just going to, I know I'm, I'm just not going to. <laughs> and then somebody pulls in front of you on 35, and you know what you do? You say something that comes out of the overflow of your heart. You know how I know this? Because I'm speaking from Experience. I forget that Jesus is for me, not against me. Sometimes I forget that he loves me, that he offers me grace. But when I can maintain and understand clearly that my identity is in him and not in myself, it's not in my things, it's not in my job, it's not in my spouse, it's not in my family, it's not in my career, it's not in my car, it's not in my money, it's in him, it changes the way that things come out of my mouth. Because Jesus himself clearly said, out of the overflow of the heart is what you speak. Look what it says, uh, Colossians chapter three. I think this is really powerful. Colossians chapter three, starting in verse eight. It says, but now you must put them all away. And we have a list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Put them away, Don't deal with that anymore. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. It's about what he does in you and through you, not about you trying harder. Like you trying harder only gets you so far. Like, okay, let's just say that you tried really hard and you made it for three days without being anger and vomiting on someone. But on the fourth day, and if you're only trying in your power and your strength, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna vomit on somebody. You know how I know this? Because two weeks ago I did it. Two weeks ago I did it. Because somebody didn't give me what I thought they should give me at the time that I thought that they should give it to me. Therefore, it was their fault, not mine. And I just spewed all over them. It was because I, for whatever reason, I forgot that my identity is in Jesus and it's not about me, it's not about my strength, it's about him, it's about his power, it's about his power to transform me so that I can see people the way that he sees them, so that I can love people the way that he loves them, so that I can speak to people the way that he speaks to them. So now do you see why I say, and and this is just me, why I say this particular piece of James is the most difficult one for me to deal with because I find myself being impatient, I find myself being frustrated, I find myself, and then I remember, oh yeah, it's not about me. But that's a hard lesson to learn. But here's what I do know in those moments when I am reminded of what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he's done in me, it changes the way that I speak to the people around me. So I have four questions for you this morning. Maybe you should write them down or at least think about them. Question number one, where do you get your identity from? Is your identity coming from Jesus or is your identity coming from somewhere else? Career, people, people. Money, things, positions. Where does your identity come from? Question number two. Who is it in your life that you need to apologize to because you have spoken death and not life? Who in your life do you need to apologize to because you've spoken death and not life? Question number three, this week, who is it that you can build up? Who do you have in your life that you can build them up? Question number four, I guess, is kind of the same as number three, but who is it that you can encourage? Who is it that you can, can build up and encourage? And my desire for you is that you would actually write this name down before you leave this room because here's what I know about me and I assume that's partly true about you that if you don't write it down you'll leave this room and you'll forget that we even talked about encouraging and build someone up and it'll never happen. Who's that person? And what are you going to do about it? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you give us challenging pieces of scripture like James chapter three. On one hand, I don't want to thank you at all because it seems really frustrating to me that I seem to drop the ball on this particular one many times. But I'm also reminded that you offer us grace and mercy and forgiveness because you don't want us to live out in our old self, but you want to provide us with a new self that speaks life and not death. And as we continue to pray this morning, I just want to ask you a couple more questions. How many of you in the room would say, you know what, somebody has spoken death to me instead of life and I have a lot of wounds because of it and I would like for you, Bob, to pray for me this morning. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? If somebody spoke something to you and it's really hurt you, And you want me to pray for you, just raise your hand. Thank you. God, this morning, you already know our hearts, but many of us have raised our hands to say that somebody has spoken hurtful words to us. And so, God, for the people that raised their hands, or maybe even for the people that that didn't raise their hands, God, I, I pray that you would comfort them. I pray that you would help them to understand that those words that were spoken to them didn't come from you. God, I pray that you would maybe begin to heal some of those wounds. And God, I pray that you would begin to help them find ways to offer forgiveness. And as we continue to pray this morning, I want to ask you one more question. How many of you know for a fact that whether it was intentionally or unintentionally, you've spoken words of death to somebody and if you want me to pray for you, just raise your hand. Thank you. God, you already know our hearts and you already know our actions, but many of us this morning have raised our hands to just simply say, God, would you please forgive us? Because for whatever reason, maybe we forgot who our identity was in or 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 we just weren't feeling close to you because we had run away from you and we spewed death on people with our words, whether it was intentional or unintentional. God, I pray that you would begin to, number one, help us not to do those things, that you would change our hearts so that the, what flows out of our mouth would represent you. And God, I also pray for the people that we've said things to. God, I pray that you would help us to go and ask for forgiveness that we would go and try to make things right that we would apologize for the things that we've said and that we wouldn't make excuses God we ask that you would change our heart that you would make us more like you so that we could begin to see people the way that you see them the way that you see us the way that you see me that you are for me not against me that you love me, that you want the best for me. And God, we thank you for your love that you sent your son Jesus to die for the forgiveness of our sins. In your righteous and holy name we pray, amen.